also uh, the, I don't want to call him a journalist because everyone's calling me a journalist. He's not really a journalist. He's more, he, for so many years, uh, he was a uh, consultant uh, to the uh, royal family there. He's right in. He's the nephew of Adnan Khashoggi, the uh, famous arms dealer. Uh, and so his name is Jamal Khashoggi. And uh, he apparently uh, had a kind of an incident uh, at the Saudi consulate in Istanbul where he checked in but did not check out. And this is drama has been brewing now for a couple of weeks. Uh, and so accusations surfaced immediately that uh, was he uh, killed by the king, the kingdom, the, the, the crown prince, who knows, uh, for being a dissenter. And all of a sudden he became re- re- marketed. This is somebody who has been a spokesperson uh, for the Saudi, the House of Saud, uh, really defending their policies at every turn for so many years. Uh, he was also involved with the Mujahideen. Uh, with right back to the Afghanistan days, so there's a kind of a pretty clear possible CIA connection there. It's got links uh, to the Bin Laden family going way back as well. Well, they're all linked really uh, there in that part of the world, Mike. But uh, it was interesting. A year ago, he all of a sudden was decamped in Washington D.C., given a column to the Washington Post, and you know, slightly critical. I mean, you can only be slightly critical if you're a Saudi of the royal family because the king is the sovereign and you know he's ruling he is like an extension of uh, the royal family there is like they're like gods basically and you can't say anything bad about them and so you don't ever see saudis uh bad mouthing their government or their royal family or their king or their prince it just their crown prince it just doesn't happen they can't do it publicly uh and so he was criticizing uh subtly uh, the war that's being prosecuted in Yemen, here and there. Uh, but he was on board with the dismemberment of Syria, uh, the arming and supporting. Yes, and uh, sorry, we have a little technical break there. Uh, and so so this guy goes missing, and all of a sudden there's reports uh, that Khashoggi has been, you know, hacked, hacked up into little pieces, uh, killed by MBS, Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince, uh, you know, nobody knows where this guy is, and he becomes immediately an international martyr, uh, and all of a sudden, all of the political establishment in the West, who have been completely behind Saudi Arabia, their best client for arms sales, I'm talking mainly about the U.S. and Britain, all of a sudden, oh, we can't do business with the Saudis, you have these dissenters coming and talking, and a few people talking about the illegal war in Yemen, uh, not much, though. More like, oh, this is a horrible crime. How can we be doing business with these these uh, medieval uh, savages? All of a sudden, it dawns on them that uh, Saudi Arabia is uh, uh, running a different type of social agenda than the rest of the world in the 21st century. Uh, and so the righteous indignation. And, of course, a lot of this era is targeted at Trump. Uh, because Trump has just c- come back uh, from a visit to the kingdom. They signed a $100 billion arms deal, which is the latest of, of a few arms deals. I think total purchases uh, in, in the last couple of years, we're talking about $300 billion in terms of weapons. The U.K. has done a nice little trade as well with the Saudis, and all of a sudden that's come into question. Well, has it? I'm not sure. Uh, so, in other words, the whole 
kind of policy is shifting us. So Syria's calmed down a little bit, and now uh, the media is pointing towards Saudi. And the martyr is Jamal Khashoggi. He's triggered this all. So no one was really upset about the tens of thousands of Yemenis uh, who have been killed by U.S. and British product, uh, by the Saudi Air Force in a legal war of aggression against their neighbors, uh, the sort of thing that uh, the Nuremberg principles were set up to prevent. Uh, nobody had any problem with that, but all of a sudden, this this dissenter, this uh, reformer, this journalist, Jamal Khashoggi, uh, he was uh, killed. We still haven't seen the body, though, Mike. He's still MIA. Uh, we're hoping that some something might turn up in terms of evidence. But so I, I hesitated to speculate on this story from, from the beginning because I'm like, I want to see some evidence that, that he is dead and they have killed him. And it, uh, so every, everyone in the media, of course, like with Skripal, like with many of these stories, uh, as soon as the accusations come, as soon as the narrative is there, everybody runs with it. And all of a sudden, the person who is first in line to with their sources tell them that Saudi Arabia has actually done this, or there is evidence of a, a smart watch phone. CNN of course is trafficking the, uh, the and running point on, on many of the rumors. Uh, and so if you believe that uh, CNN has very close links to the CIA uh, and that they use CNN uh, to traffic rumors and to sort of, Managed narratives uh, in terms of the mainstream press, like they do at the New York Times, like they do at the Washington Post. Um, then you, we, we can only Mike speculate that what we're getting from the media on this story is is overall very limited, uh, and that the intelligence services are controlling uh, a lot of the information, and uh, therefore the reality. They're they're painting the picture for us and all we can do is just wait for things to drip out and then the political statements are made the bluster trump's reacting making statements the media is attacking trump then you have this whole other cloud of activity going on uh but down at the bottom at the base of this story what exactly happened it's still somewhat unclear i think uh I, I haven't watched the story hugely closely, uh, but as you say, uh, I haven't seen any real evidence that the man is whether the man is alive or dead or not. Uh, this uh, this seems quite similar in many ways to Scribble, uh, and uh, which is quite an interesting thing, isn't it? Everybody loves to hate Saudi Arabia because of what Saudi Arabia has done over the years, uh, funding Wahhabi mosques around the world, encouraging Islamic extremism bombing the hell out of Yemen. Uh, we love to hate Saudi Arabia. And if the mainstream, or if the, if governments and the mainstream media come along with the narrative, uh, and because we hate Saudi Arabia, we believe that narrative without the evidence, then where do we stand when they say something about Russia or they say something about China, right? We've got to, we've got to be willing to, to look for the evidence uh, and, uh, and either... There is evidence there which we can say this is what happened and these are the people who are responsible. Or we allow ourselves to follow a narrative because on this occasion it suits us to believe that narrative because we don't like Saudi Arabia. This is extremely dangerous and it's an extremely dangerous way for us to think. 
Mm-hmm. So we've got to we've got to put our what our personal feelings might be about Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia's behaviour in Yemen, Saudi Arabia's interference in other countries through Islamic extremism. We've got to put that to one side, and we've got to look: is there any evidence that they murdered, uh, that this was a state-sanctioned murder? Uh, and if not, uh, then we've got to. I'm sorry to say, uh, call out uh, whoever's saying that Saudi Arabia is responsible for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the, it's the same process with uh, Assad, uh, war crimes uh, that uh, he supposedly has committed. They've already set him up uh, to be the demon. So any uh, so-called intelligence or any uh, accusations are automatically uh, believed that he's guilty. And then that's just a case of setting up more guilt on top of guilt. What, what you got to look for in these sort of stories and what uh, skilled listeners and skilled people out there do is when they see reports coming out they make a note the first report that i made a note of that i thought was a bit sketchy was that he was wearing an apple smartwatch and he recorded his death on his smartwatch mm. and uh and because of, they took his iphone off him when he entered the consulate which is standard practice if you go into any embassy uh, you do have to check your phone in most of the time for security in most embassies i've been into anyway uh and you so <laughs> so apparently but his a smartwatch was still on. So, and then it went up to the cloud. Okay, that's the story. Yeah. Okay, that right there set off alarm bells straight away. And so we didn't hear. I didn't hear much about that. Like, where's this audio recording? Why hasn't it been released? Uh, is it you know kept being kept private? Was it deleted? We don't know any more about this. But that made the rounds in the mainstream press. So what was that? A fake leak? Bad piece of information. Well, uh, a even distraction. If, even if it was true, it doesn't. It doesn't prove where he was when the uh, when the alleged recording was made. Yeah. So, so what does it prove actually? Yeah, it doesn't prove a whole lot. Oh, we have some CCTV stills of him entering the consulate. Supposedly, um, that's it. Uh, he could have gone out the back door. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Uh, Every, everything that we're seeing could could very easily be doctored. Um, certainly, the Saudi Arabia, Turkey, uh, it's happening in Turkey. So, in terms of CCTV cameras, they would have a tremendous amount of control over this. Um, the United States, the CIA, are are experts in frame ups and uh, creating narratives. So, look at all the f- sort of fake uh, pieces of disinformation, the uh, the, the little flotsam and jetsam that was. Uh, uh, released out in the early part of the story uh, that had people going in different directions. What happened to those things? Uh, that's the first thing I would ask. That's that's the same with Seven Seven and many other stories. That uh, these types of world-changing, high-profile incidents. Uh, so, uh, you know, are, are we conspiracy theorizing? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm not. I'm just going saying I want to see some some evidence. Otherwise, I have to take the media. It's word for it. I have to take government's word for it. Is this the object of the game, Mike? Uh, that's what I believe is exactly is what's going on. So this, this is the object of the game. Uh, this is another example of uh, Theresa May's rapid response mechanism, where we have a common narrative, a common attribution of blame, a common narrative, uh, and uh, and that's what we go with. We don't need evidence. We just attribute blame and have a common narrative. And if everybody's saying it, it must be true. This is a consensus reality that we see through every policy, whether it be from climate change to to uh, you know to regime change, and it's becoming extremely overt and extremely dangerous. 
And so, so where do, what what's the likelihood in terms of if if he is if he has been killed, or if he is missing? It doesn't matter if he's if he was dead or alive. Actually, what matters at this point is is there going to be policy change between the United States, uh, between Saudi Arabia, between the UK and US and Saudi Arabia, between Saudi and the international community? Uh, well, has, hasn't Trump already made it clear that he is not prepared to put um, uh, American jobs at risk and therefore he's not going to put the arms deals at risk? So what actually can he do at this point? Well, there, that's true. That's true. Unless unless uh, some pressure came from another quarter to make Trump or the U.S. change their policy on that. Or if Britain, if pressure was put on Britain to withdraw any business and therefore uh, that would be very, very awkward for the United States because of the special relationship and we're all supposed to be on the same page, right? Yeah, but Britain is in, a, in no position to be playing those kinds of games because all Saudi has to say is al Mama. You know, Tony Blair shut down the serious fraud office investigation into that case. Saudi has so much dirt on the United Kingdom. Oh, yeah. Right, so so UK cannot be playing that kind of game. No, they can't. So really, Saudi's got them by the balls, right? Yeah. Well, money talks, doesn't it? Right. So where 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 do the uh, where do the loyalties lie? So Jamal Khashoggi, um, it seemed to me like uh, he was very much uh, very much in alliance with um, Prince Walid bin Talal, who is one of the princes who was locked up in the Ritz Carlton. Uh, when the uh, that whole incident happened, this infighting that happened in Riyadh, where a lot of the top princes and high ups were were locked up in the Ritz Carlton uh, under house arrest, some of them still under house arrest. Uh, so in the, in that sense, that was Khashoggi, one of Khashoggi's main allies. And so, so what do you step back and look at this? What do you see? You see uh, people separated. You see alliances broken. You see compartmentalization of the elite uh, in Saudi Arabia. And so who does that benefit? That's the question that someone has to ask. Within this uh, fragmentation, within this chaos, who benefits? Well, of course, the external powers benefit. Uh, If they want to exert more control over Saudi Arabia, is regime change on the cards for Saudi Arabia? That's possible. That's In fact, it's very possible. It's always a possibility, but it's a lot easier maybe in this climate than it is uh, in another climate. Did I did I see somewhere that uh, the father was stepping back in to some degree here? Um, you're talking about the king? Yes. It, 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 the king can barely stand up. Right. Okay, and can, I don't know, maybe put a few sentences together. I don't think he's totally there, and I'm not the only one who would think that. That's kind of common knowledge. Um, so in terms of that king reasserting himself, I don't know. Um, but, but a lot of pressure is being put on MBS. Uh, is this a challenge for him to weather the storm? And so he ascends to his high and mighty status when, when, when dad passes and he assumes, uh, the crown, uh, is this the plan or is there another plan? Uh, is there an overhaul that's, uh, due to happen? And that overhaul would mean a transfer of wealth, I would imagine, away from Saudi Arabia or money going back to the West in some way. Because they wouldn't do that for nothing. There has to be some benefit there financially. Uh, in terms of, who knows, uh, maybe Saudi Arabia falling on hard times has to sell Aramco back to, to, back to the West <laughs> or the West 
gains control over Saudi's oil again, uh, more control over the oil. Because Saudi bought back Aramco, that's the consortium of all the, the previous seven sisters, you could say, consortium uh, that was a joint venture between the Western oil companies and the Saudi kingdom. Uh, and Saudi Arabia took bought that and took control over that complete entity. Uh, but now they want to do an IPO, or they were talking about it, and it's on the cards, the biggest IPO in global history. Uh, where they're only going to float some very small percentage of the company. I don't know, like 10%. Mm. I, I don't have the numbers off the top of my, uh, maybe 20, 20%. And it was a trillion, uh, one, to, one or $2 trillion valuation. Okay, so this puts Facebook and, and Apple to shame, basically. Um, and so <laughs> I, that has to, to me, that's the big deal. To me, that's the big deal on the horizon. And I would think that that would be connected somehow. With, with this situation. Um, and so that's the way I'm looking at it. So someone's jockeying for position uh, to gain control over Aramco or to profit massively off of this uh, uh, unprecedented public offering. Uh, and so that's, that's what I think is connected here. But, but you know, you don't know who's, who the CIA have on their team within Saudi Arabia. You don't know. Is, is Bin Talal, CIA... Uh, is Kush, was Khashoggi recruited by the CIA? Uh, we don't know. But we do know that Khashoggi was pro-Muslim Brotherhood. Qatar is Muslim Brotherhood. Turkey is Muslim Brotherhood. So you have that side of things. It's definitely the CIA is pro-Muslim Brotherhood, mm. for sure. So you have on that side, and then MBS, Mohammed bin Salman, anti-Muslim Brotherhood. Donald Trump, anti-Muslim Brotherhood, you could say. Although that doesn't make much of a difference uh, <laughs> with with all the power moving around him, um, so yeah, that's uh, there. So everybody is not on the same page in terms of who the players are in this. Turkey's definitely a, a central actor in this drama, one hundred percent. And the money behind Turkey at the moment is Qatar, so that would mean that they're also behind this, and they oppose Saudi Arabia. Had this acrimonious split with Qatar. Last year, so that so you, we can see the divisions already, and and this just happens to happen in Turkey of all places, which it could just be a coincidence, Mike, or not, or not. Uh, Do we even know what he was doing there? He was getting uh, apparently a marriage license because uh, he uh, had a Turkish bride, which uh, we don't know much about, uh, but apparently that's that's the story. So. We'll see. We'll see. It's an interesting story, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> so that's Khashoggi. I'm sorry, we don't have. Uh, we're not. We don't have a grand, massive conspiracy, uh, unified theory of, of Khashoggi and what it means uh, because there's just a lot of moving parts here. I, I don't think this story is revealed yet. I think the next moves, the major moves you see, will shed light on this this mystery. Uh, so the, look at changes in policy. Changes in U.S. policy, changes in Saudi policy, some geopolitical shift that has to do. Then you might begin with Turkey, with Qatar. Then we'll begin, or Iran. Then we'll begin to understand what this means uh, and how how the powers are reacting to it. How this is potentially changing the playing field or altering or shifting. Uh, it's difficult, though, to say. But we've given you a few clues as well what might be relevant here. 
Uh, so <laughs> good luck. Good luck with that one. Uh, we're going to take a short commercial break. Uh, we're going to connect our first guest from Moscow. We're going to talk to Robert Bridge about killing comedy, why, how the new left killed comedy in America, <laughs> and with the help of Donald Trump, um, and will they get it back? Can the American mind and the congenial uh, America be saved or not? We'll find out after these messages. <laughs> 